0: to episode 1 of JT at the movies. The date is the 14th of January 2018 and my name is John. And today we will be looking at the Disaster Artist, a movie that not only stars James Franco but is also produced and directed by him as well. Uh, but before moving on to that, I will just explain what I'm aiming for with this podcast. If you're not aware, this is a spin-off from the Don't Spoil the Ending podcast and while over on that show we cover movies both old and new. The idea with the city cover movies that are currently in cinemas, so it's going to have quite a different uh, tone and feel to it. But I'm hoping in future we can get a few guests on here just to change things up and hopefully keep things interesting. So first, I'll just uh, set the scene. I watched this at the Odeon Great Northern in Manchester. It's an old AMC theatre. There were roughly ten to fifteen people in the audience, so it wasn't a huge attendance. Uh, During the funny sections it felt like I was the only one laughing, so I don't know what the general feeling about the film was. Okay, let's uh, just move on to the main review. Now, I will explain. The Disaster Artist is a film about the making of another film. It's about the making of The Room from 2003. Now, I'm sure a lot of you already know about The Room from 2003, but for those of you that don't, here's just a, a brief overview. Uh, The Room is a film written, directed, produced, and starring Tommy Wiseau. It was also completely financed by Wiseau as well, to the tune of $6 million, all of his own money. Uh, The plot of The Room is pretty simple. It involves Johnny, played by Wiseau, and his future wife Lisa, getting involved in a melodramatic love triangle with Johnny's best friend, Mark, played by Tommy's real-life best friend, Greg Sestero. Uh, Basically Lisa cheats on Johnny with Mark, Johnny finds out and ends up killing himself and that's it, that's all the plot. Uh, But the reason we're talking about this today isn't because of the plot, it's because of a whole host of other elements that have risen up around the film, which have granted the film cult status over the years. It's basically a so bad it's good movie. Now normally that would have me running for the hills, I remember watching Troll 2 years ago. Because I heard it was so bad it was good. But in my opinion it was just plain bad. A complete waste of time. Uh, but the rumour is a bit different. In that every aspect of the production is so amateurish. And the acting is so bad. That it's actually worth checking out at least a few scenes on YouTube. Just to see like how ridiculous and absurd it is. Uh, another reason for the cult popularity. Is the mythic nature of Tommy Wiseau himself. No one really knows where he comes from. He uh, He has an Eastern European accent, and yet he claims to come from New Orleans. (laughs) No one really knows how old he is. He claims to be roughly 19 in the film, yet he looks like he's in his mid fifties at the earliest. And finally, no one knows where his money comes from. The room reportedly cost him over $5 million, but no one knows how he was able to finance the film. Apparently there were rumors among the cast on set at the time that the film could have been like a money laundering scheme for the mob, And that reminds me of uh, how Uwe Boll, the German filmmaker, who's notorious for making bad movies, was able to keep on making bad movies in the uh, early to mid-2000s due to German companies using his films as like a tax dodge. Apparently there was some German legislation that allowed you to do that. Uh, Those are just rumours though in terms of Tommy, uh, and I don't think anyone to this day has been able to prove where Tommy's bottomless bank account comes from. Uh, Okay, I hope that's enough background on The Room. Uh, Now we'll just move into The Disaster Artist. Now, The Disaster Artist is a film based on a book by Greg Sestero, who played Mark in The Room, and it's essentially a kind of biopic of Tommy Wiseau, and it tells the story of how Tommy and Greg Sestero first met, and then went on to make The Room. The film is going for the same kind of uh, feel that Tim Burton as Ed Wood did, it's basically showing how bad movies get made, although I don't think this film is quite in the same calibre as Ed Wood is. As mentioned earlier, James Franco not only produces and directs, but he also stars as Tommy Wiseau. Now, I do quite like Franco as an actor. Uh, I was first aware of him back in the early 2000s, he was in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, but my favourite performance of his is as Alien from uh, Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers. That was quite a transformative performance as well as this one. In this film, he, he nails the Wiseau accent and has some like subtle face prosthetic that really helped to uh, sell like the, the oddball nature of the character. Now, Dave Franco, James' real-life brother, plays Tommy Wiseau's best friend, Greg Sestero, and he also does a really good job, but he's essentially playing the straight man opposite the the outla- more outlandish wise-o. So he doesn't really have as much to play with as James Franco does. But also it is worth noting, it must have been especially difficult for the Francos to, to play these parts. Because it's essentially a bromance between Tommy and Greg. And the slight uh, homo homo-erotic, homoerotic subtext and the jealousy that comes from that must have made it really awkward for them to play. Uh, Just one last thing on casting, Franco's old buddy Seth Rogen plays Sandy Chaclair. He's the script supervisor on The Room, and yet at no point during the making of The Room did Tommy uh, even allow Sandy to see the actual script, so it's kind of a thankless task really. Uh, It's worth mentioning too though that Sandy Sandy Chaclair now actually wants director credit for The Room because he thinks he did more of the directing than Tommy on the actual set, I do find it funny though that Sandy's actually trying to wash his hands of the film at the time. And yet now, due to the cult status and the fact that the room is now a moneymaker, he's trying to jump back on the bandwagon. In terms of Rogan's acting in the film, I think he is fine in the parts, but it does feel at times like he slips into Seth Rogan autopilot mode. I feel like he does that in quite a few films where he has a kind of just autopilot setting that he'll just slip back into. And I think he is guilty of doing that a few times in this film. Okay, uh, now let's jump, in, uh, jump to the detail of the actual film itself. There's a scene early on where Greg and Tommy meet at an acting class, and we get a taste of Tommy's acting talent, uh, talent in air quotes. He's encouraged by the acting coach, who's played by Melanie Griffith, to really expose himself, which leads Tommy to perform just an extraordinary interpretation of a uh, Marlon Brando from A Streetcar Named Desire, which for some reason leads Greg to want to actually act alongside Tommy. I think at one point Greg asks him, you know, how do you do it? How do you put yourself out there like that? And Tommy's answer is, I just do it. It's no problem. Tommy and Greg go on to become good friends, uh, like an odd couple of sorts. And they move to LA to try and get into the movie industry, which leads to a couple of good scenes. Uh, There's one in particular where Tommy is working with another acting coach, played by Bob Odenkirk, who's best known for playing Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad, and he uh, gives Tommy some good advice that he would make a perfect villain due to his, what he calls, malevolent presence. He says Tommy should be playing Dracula or Frankenstein, that kind of thing, but Tommy just can't accept it. He sees himself as a hero, always as the good guy. And that's a theme that you're gonna then see in the room. He basically paints himself as the sacrificial hero at the end of that film. Anyway, it's these kind of reactions that he gets from acting cultures that lead Tommy to the decision to make to make his own film for him and Greg to star in, which leads into the making of the room. Uh, there's a great scene which highlights Tommy's inattitude when he tries to acquire equipment to make the film. He tries to buy Panavision cameras, and the guys at the studio have to point out that no one buys cameras due to just how expensive they are. Even the big studios have to rent them. Tommy does insist though that not only is he going to buy the cameras, but that he's going to record on both film and digital video. Again, this is just something that nobody would ever do. Uh, the are two completely different formats that look completely different. They even need to be lit differently. Uh, Apparently at the time, Tommy also had a custom mount built, so we could rig up both the cameras to work side by side, again just insanely expensive uh, piece of kit. (laughs) As soon as the studio guys see the amount of money that Tommy's planning to spend, they're then more than happy to help him achieve his vision. From there we get a kind of greatest hits package of the filming of all the worst scenes from the room. Uh, There's another scene that really shows how Tommy just doesn't know what he's doing, uh, Tommy's paid for an expensive alleyway set to be made. But when Seth Rogen turns up, he points out that there's an actual alleyway right outside the studio that looks exactly like the set. And why didn't they just film up there to save money on the production? To which Tommy replies, Because we are making real American movie. Again, he's just obsessed with, you know, being seen as like a kind of all-American hero kind of figure. Um... Uh, I think it's the scene too where someone refers to the director of photography as the DP and Tommy just doesn't know what he's referring to, again just you know he doesn't have a clue about the day-to-day workings of a movie set, just little things like what a DP means that kind of stuff. Uh, The filming seems to go from just like one catastrophe to the next, Uh, there's a good like running gag throughout the film that as the filming progresses and gets more and more out of hand we're constantly updated with subtitles showing the filming schedule. It starts off showing like day twenty or forty, day thirty or forty, etc. But then by the end, uh, sorry, by the end of filming, it's actually saying then like day fifty or forty, day sixty or forty. That got quite a big laugh in the theater. So that was a good, a uh, good little nod. Uh, and so, just to jump ahead, after a lot of trials and tribulations, Tommy finally gets his movie made and is all set for the big LA premiere that he's paid for. <laughs> I'll just mention that at that point, actually. Uh, he actually paid for a theater in LA to show the film for two weeks because that is the limitation you need to meet in order to be considered for the Oscars. So that just gives you an idea of what Tommy's intentions were for this film. He had no idea what kind of reaction he was going to be getting. Uh, but just back to the uh, back to the night of the show, and things don't go quite the way Tommy intended. As the film goes on, the audience is laughing more and more at his masterpiece. Uh, Tommy is at first heartbroken by what he sees as just more rejection by the world but after a few kind words from his good friend Greg it makes him realize that despite what he intended people are enjoying the film regardless Uh, and thanks to Greg's encouragement uh, he decides to accept the audience's somewhat ironic applause and declares he always intended the film to be comedic as credits roll now I'll just point out this final section It's one of the few points in the film that I don't think is 100% accurate. I don't think the film was immediately met with ironic approval, and I definitely think it took quite a while before Tommy Wiseau was able to appreciate the ironic cult status that the film now enjoys. Um, I'll just move on to final thoughts. Uh, On the whole, I enjoyed The Disaster Artist quite a bit. I've never seen a film directed by Franco before. And uh, his direction was fine, but I was expecting something maybe a bit more experimental, might be a bit unfair, but uh, the real heart of the film, though, is in the performances by the Franco brothers. They make this film work as a comedic bromance more than anything, and I found it to be consistently fun and funny, and I'm going to go with a solid 4 out of 5 stars. Okay, and so that's everything for episode 1. I'd like to thank you for sticking with this. And I would really like to hear some feedback uh, from you guys as to how you think this went. Because I admit right now, I feel a bit like Tommy Wiseau myself. I've got an idea in my head of how I want this to go, but I'm dreading it becoming a bit of a disaster of my own. Uh, I'm not sure yet what I'll be reviewing for episode two. But if any of you have seen The Disaster Artist, please let me know what you think of the film. You can uh, contact me at Taylor1980 on Twitter or by email at don'tspoiltheending at gmail.com. So thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week with another film. Cheers, bye.